Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me uh, my co-host, my friend Parker Fleming. Parker, I think off the top we should get to the big news that everyone's talking about on Twitter, um, in our conversations, kind of in the back channels. Turnpike Troubadours are back. They are back. Uh, that picture sent a, uh, a, a an electric jolt through my veins. Um, one, because I love people who get the help yep. they need, and Evan Felker has very clearly gotten the help he needs. Two, if they're not the best dang country country band uh, in my lifetime, yep. I, I don't know Neither. who it is. And you saw, uh, as, as someone who is currently in the Mountain Time Zone, their first concert back is at Red Rocks. Dude, the shovels and rope, uh, right? Man, we, we, I didn't see a schedule. It, it's I don't just think. it's they just announced one concert, um, but I think it's in March. It's at Red Rocks. It's them and uh, shovels and rope and someone else. Um, that noise you <laughs> hear is me Kelly searching is the, other. Uh, the reunion show. Yeah, oh my it's gosh. Uh, dude. Fifteen hour. It's May. 14th. Dude, there's May no 14th. way we're gonna get. Uh, there's no way May I'm getting 14th. tickets. I'm gonna try. Grant, I'm gonna watch this. I'm going to watch this, and if either of us get tickets, just buy okay, enough for me fine. and the staff's yeah, yeah. wife, too. Yeah, that's great. We're, uh, we'll, we'll take care of each other. Um, yeah, man, that's that's great news. That's something to celebrate. I'm, I'm pleased to announce that for the, I think, fifth consecutive year. I don't know how many years that Spotify has been telling me what I've been listening to. But for the fifth year in a row, I'll say Turnpike Troubadours were my most listened to uh, artist. And I, I need to confess something, Grant. Um, they're actually my third for five years in a row. Because I have two playlists of 10 songs each. One is my workout playlist and one is my gotcha. uh, studying playlist. And I listen to those on repeat. So that kind of artificially, you know, like in football, you got to filter out garbage sure. time. You got to take into account context. So uh, uh, when I go seek out to listen to music, Turnpike Troubadours is my That's number one artist. I, uh, they, they weren't in my top five this year, but they definitely have been. I uh, got some help I needed and stopped listening to a lot of sad country songs this year and ventured out into more... Uh, <laughs> Churches was my number one artist, uh, and I think uh, Punching It a Dream by The Naked and Famous was the number one song. So it really took it back to about 2013 there and just kind of you know tried to go with it, go for the vibes. I think in, in uh, for me in 2014, the most listened to song for me was Song She Sang oh, in the no. Shower by Jason Isbell. If you just needed a <laughs> encapsulation as to my... <laughs> <laughs> mental status that is terrifying oh, I, last year last year was clay pigeons blaze foley it was the pandemic <laughs> took a toll on us all <laughs> things got it, dark it got real dark. Um, um okay do, do you want to talk about actual big news because uh brian kelly well we'll get to the tcu news that we knew was coming let's talk about the quick surprise take me around the country brian kelly yeah is now in Baton rouge the head coach of the LSU Tigers. As we're recording this, um, a lot of reports are indicating that Marcus Freeman will be his successor at Notre Dame. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator. Um, that, that seems to be sort of the, the plan they have in action there. But Parker, I, I, am I wrong in thinking that this is not a great fit for LSU? Maybe. Okay, so I think it, I think to answer this correctly, you've got to think about a couple of things. Um, if, if Dave Aranda didn't take the job, who in this cycle is LSU's long-term hire? No, no, you're right. I, I think what LSU did, what Scott Woodward did was say, okay, we did not give Dave Aranda. Um, for some reason, we didn't look at Billy Napier. 
It would be embarrassing to hire Louisiana's so coach. That's enough. you can't uh, do that. USC yeah. poached Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley yes, used you, right? Um, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What's a big name we can steal? And and to be fair, a very big name in Brian Kelly. I mean, he's been in the playoff what twice. How did he do there? It's funny you ask. Um, not well, and he was willing to leave for the right price. And and so in terms of making the splashy hire, great job. I, I, I don't see it working. I really don't. Um, I can argue for it. So one, if you hire Mark Stoops and Mark Stoops goes eight and five, whatever, or eight and four the first two years, your ass is getting fired, sure. Scott Woodward. So they weren't going to hire Mark Stoops. Um, second, uh, I, I think if you don't have the guy, then what you need to do is 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 pick the best possible option for a short amount of time. And Kelly is very much at the end of their career. There was talk that he was going to retire yeah. this year. Uh, I mean, like two or three years ago, like the, the plan, but he, you know, evidently saw this recruiting class, wanted to see it through, whatever, yada, yada. The, the big thing there is, is what you can't do as a program is you can't tread water, especially in recruiting and especially in offensive line development. Look at Florida state, yeah. Florida state churned coaches. And what happened is their offensive line development went to hell and they are so in a hole and it's so hard to overcome that. And so there are worse things that someone could do than hire a big name that shows you still have pool, right? Absolute flex by LSU to say, hey, we are a premier destination for college football. Someone left Notre Dame um, for us. Second, Brian Kelly has a history of recruiting offensive linemen and developing offensive linemen. And um, I think that that is going to be a good foundation going forward. Yeah, I'm, I the thing about it is that I don't know if, if – I think you're right. If you hire Stoops and he goes 8-4, and four, Woodward's fired. If Brian Kelly goes 8-4, and four, he'll just retire and then we'll have to do this all over again in two or three years. But Woodward probably doesn't lose his job. Yeah, and then maybe Aranda yeah. takes a job or maybe somebody, you know, the next challenger has emerged. Maybe Marcus Freeman wants the job. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Take the Notre Dame coach just, You know, you look at Oklahoma and I don't know how much smoke or fire or whatever, that job's still not set yet. Um, from what I understand, they were going after Brent Venables. And, you know, it, I, I would almost, and I think a lot of Oklahoma fans were fine with that. I think a lot of LSU fans would have been fine with Brent Venables. Now, Venables may not have wanted the job. He may not want to be a head coach in the SEC, which is very hard. Um, they'll have to do it in three years anyway if he takes the Oklahoma job. But I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it seems, it's a big name, but it doesn't inspire a whole lot of, hell yeah, this guy's going to really change things. Do you know why... Brent Venables is not the head coach at Kansas State right now? No. Okay, we'll talk okay. about that later. Um, he didn't like rob a bank, did he? On the Oklahoma... Oh, but... Oh, <laughs> that he had robbed a bank. Uh, no, I'm just... Yeah. Um, the... Yeah, so Oklahoma, Shane Beamer posted a um, video about staying, so they're not going to do Beamer. That, that wouldn't be big enough. I don't think they're ever actually going to do that. Yeah. That would be a terrible yeah. hire. Beamer's like, he's fine. He's fine at South Carolina. He's, he's probably done more than I would Depends think. Depends on the coordinators. I think this year, from a pro program standpoint, um, showed how much Lincoln Riley relied on Shane Beamer. Yeah. For some of the other stuff. And so that would be something to come come uh, come back and do. Yeah. Um, and kind of like level set and, and build up the program and 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 know what's going on. Uh, that's not going to happen, so it doesn't matter. Um, I, I've heard two things, and I will say them without further comment and let you speculate, sure. and we can move on. 
I've heard that they've talked to Matt Rule, mm-hmm. and I've heard that, uh, quote, Dabo smoke, end quote. What? I, that doesn't make any sense on Dabo's part. They're swinging for the fences. No, that way. doesn't make any sense on Dabo's part. If you're the head coach at Clemson, you're in the ACC, Florida State's down, Miami's down, Virginia Tech's down. Every program is down. Parker's making the money sign at me, and I understand that. But there's got to be some Clemson boosters out there that are like, dude, they built that man a palace in Clemson. A palace. In well, Clemson. Okay. But it, so, Norman. You ever been to South Carolina, so Have you Grant? been to Norman? You ever read Pat Conroy? I have. Okay, I would say I'll I'll tell you which ones to read. Don't read all of them. Some's yeah. pretty messed up. But all that to say, um, I'm just hearing things okay. about that. It's interesting to see what they do there and and who might land there. Um, obviously, anyone who's the head coach at Oklahoma is going to have um, resources beyond anyone's imagination. The big deal there, I think, is um, will they get the person who wants to come and play the right kind of ball? Because Oklahoma has been playing ball obviously for years, but. The, 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 the rundown about Oklahoma is that the compliance department is super not no. chill. And um, that has been an issue. That's one of the things Lincoln Riley didn't like. That's why Lincoln Riley's one of the reasons why Lincoln Riley is not the coach anymore. And um, yeah, so, so, so it, it, it takes an interesting person. I, I, I would not be surprised if they tried to go CEO type somebody like Matt Rule who could, you know, let somebody else call plays and kind of build things up. Um, but I, I don't have any strong read on who that's going to be. Oklahoma calling Dabo reminds me of one of the great tweets of all time. It's a, a, a Trill Withers, Tyler I Am tweet um, that came after, I think, something that a former president did. But uh, coming into my DMs is considered both a great honor and privilege. Rihanna is hesitating. Therefore, invitation withdrawn. Uh, and that's not, <laughs> oh, Dabo, you don't want to come? Well, we didn't want you anyway. Um, yeah, it, Never the mind. compliance department angle is weird especially because the OU compliance department tweeted and then deleted a tweet last night when a bunch of Oklahoma fans are raising stink about uh, a current assistant potentially recruiting for USC um, a whole thing can I say something Parker and I'm, I'm going to use a term that I don't like to use a lot Oklahoma fans are kind of being titty babies about this whole thing Um, I I think so. I mean, did you see, again, look, I don't want to go after, I think this might have been a student journalist. I didn't think he was a student no, he, journalist. Not I'm not trying to go after. I'm just using yeah. him. Okay, good. Then great. I feel even better about that. Because again, he works for, he um, works for 24/7. using your uh, influence to, okay, great. So 24-7, you know, run of the mill moron. One of us. That's great. Uh, I not can make Dean fun Strzok. of us. Dean Strzok is not um, a moron. He's a king and should be loved. Go ahead. I will make fun of Dean though. Um did I ever tell you how I met Dean? I met Dean at a coffee shop. Really? We had talked a bunch and I was sitting next to him at a coffee shop in Fort Worth and I looked and I was like, he literally on his computer pulled up Frogs of War and started <laughs> typing in. I was like, hey, I also at this time write for Frogs of War. Who are you? And we met. Uh, good guy, Dean. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, the the Twitter guy. Thune, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's just wonderful to watch people who have never faced any kind of adversity in their program at all face the tiniest bit of adversity and pretend like yep. it's unique uh, and say, like, has a program ever dealt with anything like this? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Most programs have dealt with something like this. 
uh, often. All program. Uh, yeah, like, like this program. is every single program has done has dealt with something horrendously stupid. Think of the most banal program you can think of. Wake Forest. Wake Forest had wakey leaks. Wakey that leaks. Is a term that exists. The most milk toast college football program oh in the world. God. Boston College. Boston College had Jeff Jagosinski take one interview with the Jets, and they said, screw you, and have sucked since. That is a thing. <laughs> All of them have had stupid, stupid things happen. And just yeah. because your football paradise in Norman all of a sudden loses a head coach to certainly an equal in the blue blood, not as of late, but certainly historically, does not make you the protagonist of this story. Anyway. It does not. Um, yeah. So. It, it, it uh, yeah, it, it does not. And it's just funny to watch. Again, um, you're not special. This is ubiquitous. Yes. No, no, no one is special. Um, I, I don't care what your parents told you. Uh, death comes for all of us. And and in college football, we saw that. Uh, and that's this, the fun part. Week. That's the fun part about college football. It, it's really fun yeah. when it happens to one of the other 129 programs of the country. And then when it happens to you, it kind of sucks. And then you just move on. Yeah, I mean, look, college football fans just need to carry their little memento mori coin in their pockets and remember, like, it's going to happen. Everything's going to come to an end. Parker's whispering point. in your ear, like, your EPA will die below a certain number eventually. I mean, there were 127. Oh, my gosh, you're so bad at passing EPA. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, should we talk about TCU? Yes, we can do that. Um yeah, let's talk about TCU. Okay, so TCU announced what we heard all along and uh, what we kind of knew, except for that one fleeting moment when Billy Napier uh, flirted with TCU, just to just to make you know, Billy Napier has never gone a problem with this grant. He just wanted to feel good. Well, one afternoon, and our stupid middle school brains just couldn't, you know, we just couldn't get over the fact that a girl was nice to us, uh, other than the reason she wanted to go. To we're singing teenage dirtbag. You That's know, what he had I'm... two tickets to Iron Maiden, and we're like, <laughs> hell yeah, this is great. Uh... <laughs> I um. I will say that uh, I'm saying we there to try and soften the blow because I'm probably going to be mean here in a minute. But TCU announces Sunny Dykes. Um, I don't like the hire of Sunny Dykes, but I do like the hire of Rashad Samples and the uh, the swinging of yes. Brian Carrington from Texas to come over and be the um, recruiting coordinator. One thing I'll say about that, I am optimistic that that means that like Quentin Johnston's not yeah. going anywhere. I given that they brought both of those guys over would give a greater than a quarter chance that Zach Evans mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere. I think that he is going anywhere. Seven, 74% he's going somewhere like that. I, like it's very, very likely, but this hire is TCU's best chance for that to happen. And so some of the program foundation stuff, I think that I'm interested in, I'm going to watch a ton of Garrett Riley stuff as offensive coordinator and kind of see what they do on offense and, um, figure that out. So I'm, I'm optimistic about a lot of this. I am too. And, and I, I have absolutely managed to do the mental gymnastics into, instead of being negative about Dykes himself, at least being lukewarm on it. Right. So it's like, Hey, like, you know, there are candidates who would have preferred. Yeah. I don't think it's an outright bad hire. Again, just talking Dykes himself. Um, I think it's kind of an average hire, but you add in samples and Carrington and well, Hey, you know, we got the ball rolling here. Um, Samples, I guess we should say his dad is the Duncanville head coach. Um, One of the power programs in Texas high school football. It's located in Dallas uh, or the Dallas suburbs. Um, He was wide receivers coach or wide receivers or running backs for SMU. I can never remember. Running backs. He was running backs. Yeah, he'll be running backs backs here. here. Um, And just an outstanding recruiter. He's young. I think he's under 30. 
Um, and he's... He's uh, yeah, close. If um, not. Which is terrifying, because what am I doing with my life? Well, it makes me... Yeah, it makes me feel... Yeah. So you stuff. pair Samples, Malcolm Kelly, and Brian Carrington together. You have Sonny Dykes, who in the first like two days that he's been here, the marketing department has absolutely lost its mind. They were doing bing-bong TikToks about Sonny Dykes being hired, which is something I never would have imagined. Um, it, it, I don't I know, know what that means. If Rashad Samples is 26. I'm 26. What are you doing with my life, right. Grant? Um, what are you I'm, doing I'm with your life? talking to you. Uh, I have a lot of Twitter followers. At least I got don't, something don't going on. Don't pull that over me. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I, you know, all I'm saying, it, it, my wife's like, what'd you do today? And I was like, well, I got a tweet. I got like a hundred likes. <laughs> I got into like, a fight with at red dirt. I got into a fight with at red dirt sports. And I think I really made some good points. Whoa. <laughs> I did not get in a fight with that guy. That guy literally said, I've got 11,000 people that are going to come get you. If you don't tell us what was going like on a student journalist with a thousand followers. Yeah, journalists are nonsense. Uh, the whole point nonsense. I'm trying to make is that if this entire hire did not mean to say that in a rhyming way. It leads to like just vibes. This entire hire is that's true. Hey, there you go. If this just kind of refreshes the vibes, right, and kind of takes you know takes the uh, you, you ever go into like an old house and it's got not saran wrap, but you know the wrap around the furniture. You know all the curtains are all pulled. It's all dusty. If we just kind of clean that out, you know, I'm not going to say put up shiplap, but maybe get some airy windows and you know just kind of give the whole thing a facelift. And I'm fine with that because I do think the talent will stay and it will attract talent. Um, and I think Dykes, Garrett Riley are good enough offensive minds to score some points. I'm, I'm really worried about the defensive coordinator hire. Um, I haven't heard a lot of names there, but uh, if this is a vibes hire, I'm all in. Yeah, um, I think I think that I'm, I'm there. I've heard a couple names for defensive coordinator. I'm not comfortable enough with anything. Okay. To speculate. Can I ask? Uh, can I ask? Would, uh, would you be? Would you be record, comfortable? Confident? You don't have to say names. We know who it is. I okay. Think. Are you comfortable and confident with that hire? I okay. like Good. it. If yeah. this works, no, out, no, no, no. I'm not I, breaking I, this. I don't have any I'm not intel on this. Names. I've been heads. I just, this is just so like the Dykes. The Dykes thing. I had firsthand source. Right, like right. We knew that they they were planning on they were taking the job. They were putting their affairs in order. Whatever. I don't have anything like that on this. I've just heard a couple things, so I'm not going to break any news. But uh, I'm optimistic about it. I think it will be a clean okay. break, um, which is right. good on the defensive side and say you do not have to be Gary Patterson. You don't have to try and run Gary Patterson's defense. You come in. You're a good defensive mind. You you run your defense. So I'm at least optimistic about Can we that. do a quick trivia break? Yeah. I have PFF's defensive – again, PFF grades aren't the end-all be-all, but I have them um, – Thanks to Parker's login. I have the defensive summary for TCU pulled up. I'm going to ask you to name the best player who received over 300 snaps on defense for TCU and the worst player. The best player who had 300 snaps is going to be Corey Bethley. He is second. Okay, hold on. Let me get there. It's very funny. Um, I it's said interior... I said interior defensive linemen because it's easier to, yeah. it's harder to grade them. And so they probably just I, gave them good grades. I will give you a hint in that it's very funny uh, based on conversations we've had. Is it CJ no, Still in Horton. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's, 
Gary was right. Gary was, was right. Seinfeld. Here's the thing about PFF grades. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, can, can, you, can you guess? I, can you yeah, guess the just, word? Uh, okay, actually, D. Winters is my D. Winter again. Second, C.J. Caesar was the worst. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's off. He like uh, yeah. Uh, atrocious. We don't have to go um, into it. I was just looking at this, but you want to identify the problem with TCU football this year. Your worst players are a starting corner, a starting linebacker in D. Winters, starting safety in the Kendrick Van Sam, which yikes, a starting linebacker in Wyatt Harris, and a starting linebacker in Jamal Hodge. In a 4-2-5 defense, the way Gary runs it, and ain't going to cut the mustard. There are no, no. dudes in the back. Uh, there are not many dudes in the back. Um, gosh, I wish I washed our days Washington had stayed one know, more year. Um, Although, yeah. Yeah. Hearing hearing rumblings that uh, THT might, which uh, because I, his draft I'd be very happy with that. Um, yeah, that would be excellent. Uh, uh, we? I, I, we did a trivia break, break trivia and break? we were talking about potential defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. I have to be negative. Okay. I okay. think I have to be negative because we talked about defensive coordinator. When that breaks, we'll break it down. Either, and uh, I, I just am not comfortable sure. with it yet. Um, my journalistic uh, reputation <laughs> is at stake. I don't. Um, I don't. <laughs> unlike Mac freaking angles, which is where we're transitioning here. Who? So okay, let me be. Let me be sober and straightforward first. TCU hired SMU strength coach to come over as part of Sunny Dykes staff. So TCU didn't directly hire him so much as they hired Sunny Dykes, and Sunny Dykes puts together his staff. Um, Kaz Kazidi is on that staff. Kaz Kazidi is a good strength coach. the The quality of his work, I do not believe, is in doubt any way, shape, or form. Um, I think Grant, we have talked about in the past that TCU needed to look at strength and conditioning Absolutely. stuff because they had guys yep. that were getting hurt a ton. And what does that look like? And he's evidently really good at injury prevention. That's not the issue. The issue is that Kaz Kazidi was at Baylor under Art Bryles the entire time and was not just a guy who was around. He was in charge of team discipline. He was uh, responsible for reporting and on at least one occasion and, uh, allegedly multiple others, um, Students raise concerns about sexual violence from football players on students, and Kaz did not report them. He brought the students in, heard their side of the story, and decided himself, again, a student came and said, a student's mother came and said, hey, I my, my daughter was assaulted. Kaz called those players in. And he uh, said they were just messing around. This isn't a this isn't a sexual assault situation. Art Bryles said, "Do we need to do anything else about this?" And Kaz said, "No, we're good." Okay, let's let's freeze everything except that moment. That is unacceptable for a university employee uh, in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. pausing only just to note that Parker is not um, freelancing here. These are this has been reported. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll get you a, a no. I'm not speculating. This isn't rumors. This is reported yeah, hard fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find. He has been a part of multiple lawsuits that they have settled. Um, he and this is where I'll, I'll be very narrow about this because I don't have to be very large about this. He did not report, um, right? Which is atrocious. Right. Um, he was an active participant in the dismissal and the cover up uh, of of assault, and um, he is he is uh, on the same plane as our brows in my mind. Our brows obviously had more power, but he was in charge of discipline and, uh, as well. So I'm very unhappy with that hire. Um, I'm also very, very unhappy with TCU 
clearly knowing that there's a connection to Bryles uh, and the Bryles era Baylor and the Baylor scandal and their answers being threefold, um, which are he was vetted with no further detail. It was a different time. Literal words out of Jeremiah Donati's mouth. Jeremiah Donati, who I am friendly with and who I, I know and like and, and do not mean to besmirch, but he said it was a different time. And then three, Sonny Dykes said he's good at his job. Um, that is unacceptable. Grant, you were an undergrad at TCU. How many times as a freshman and sophomore, like living on campus, did you have to go through a seminar uh, or training or awareness about like sexual assault? A lot. I, I was, I was like, TCU the risk manager a, for a fraternity. I, yeah, understand. Yeah. TCU talks a very, very big game about this. And I know academics and athletics are different, but um, it uh, he was vetted and it was a different time are not acceptable. So I... Um, I this is a real right. I, I guess my questions here just um, I, I wonder what he was vetted means. Is it a cursory who you know who did you ask? Yes. Um, but I agree he's good at his job and it's not confirmed. It was just a lawsuit that got settled. Which to be I just want just laying that's what it, I mean. I, I, I'm 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 just allow me to split hairs for liability purposes. It's confirmed that that someone it's it's confirmed that someone rose concerns about sexual assault that later became a lawsuit and he did not report yeah fine yeah so sorry. just I, as very yeah, narrow I'm, as I'm, possible i'm just trying to he stop. failed to report yeah, which just is, for liability yeah. purposes in case a lawyer listens to this why anyone at all listens to this i'm not sure um yeah so it, it's not great um yeah i i don't have much to say on it not not to mention even the connections the connections with browser baylor um, and, and think, you know, kind of everything that, uh, I've been, uh, I am unhappy that Baylor has a sports <laughs> right after well, everything just... that they've done with Bryles and with, remember a basketball player murdered another one of their basketball players. And the coach said, well, he was probably a drug dealer. And then they fired that coach, not for that, but because he, uh, gave illegal payments to players. So like Baylor hasn't been punished right. for either of those things. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll stop the rant. It's hard to transition out of all that. All that to say TC is putting a really good staff together. Um, they have given unsatisfactory answers about hiring someone who was a yeah. part of the Baylor I, I, Um And that is atrocious. And I think I, hiring I, anyone involved with Art Bryles Baylor is a bad idea. Full stop. Full yes. stop. Um, and, and, and you can't just say we vetted him over and over and over again and that makes it okay. We need to hear what vetted means. We need, I need, I might even need him to articulate very clearly what he did yep. that was wrong. Yep. And why it will be different now. Um, but uh, we have heard none of that. I do not anticipate we're going to hear any of them. And this is going to be something that's going to be annoying and is not going to go away. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm not happy with that. I'm, I'm happy with samples. I'm happy with Carrington. Uh, I'm not happy that Kazidi has to be a part of it. Um, I'm going to stop and do a hard break there. There's there's no way to turn our time and attention to anything else in a way that's Correct. It, it isn't uh, awkward and artificial. So we're just going to do it. TCU coaching hire search has happened. We'll talk about the defensive coordinator when it happens. Um, Grant, let's talk a little bit about the Big 12 team. Sure, let's yeah. do it. Um, we, cool. Man, I it's it's weird not seeing Oklahoma in this game. Yeah. It, uh, it, you know, and I think, I mean, I don't care about what's good for the Big 12. I honestly don't. I have no conference loyalty whatsoever. But it, it is good, I think. And I think if Oklahoma State wins this, they – have an outside shot at the playoff. We'll get to that a little bit later. I am fascinated to see a rematch between these two teams. Um, two, I think, really good head coaches. Um, two defenses that are mean. 
and um, an Oklahoma State offense, at least, that has been kind of hot in recent weeks. Um, I, yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've definitely looked better. And, and again, that defense looked ferocious in the second half. Um, one question I have for you that, that uh, my friend Kyle uh, Hunter posed to me on the BetUS show today. Would, who, would you give a talent or a coaching advantage to either team in this game? Who, 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 who has the coaching um, advantage? No, I don't think I, well, I don't think I would. I, I think I, I rate Dave Aranda higher than you do. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think I would. I, can I say this? I um, think, uh, I would give it to Oklahoma state, but if we are counting Jim Knowles. Yes. I, I, my, my answer to that, um, was that, uh, excuse me. My, my, my answer to that was that I would, if I was starting a program tomorrow, I would rather have Aranda and Grimes than Knowles and Gundy and Dunn. But right now, in this very narrow horizon, I don't have a, um, uh, I don't have yeah. a lean on who's well, who's better. Um, I think they're both. Yeah, and I think someone yeah. raised this point, and it, it was just a tweet I saw scrolling. I'm not trying to bite anyone's take, but I think it was a good take that, yeah, Gundy kind of has more experience in these big games as a head coach, but he's kind of farted him away. I mean, like, you know, it's... He it's, has. He has it, farted it, them away. What a good word. Experience is it, it's the same thing as we say about returning talent. Returning talent is good if the returning talent is good. Experience in big games is good if the experience has been good. Uh, right. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that, I mean, last week you definitely chased some demons sure. and Gundy did and got them away. But again, you have to do it again. And I, I, I do think that Oklahoma state is winning it. I think I said that a couple weeks ago where they, if they win two games in a row against two top 10 teams and they are a one loss conference champion and their only loss was one score on the road. Um, and they win, you know, when, when, I, I cannot imagine they do not get in. Yeah. But if Alabama beats Georgia, that'll be Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and since he's out. If Alabama beats Georgia, Cincinnati yeah. gets left out. Oh, Easy. that sucks so bad. And what they're going to do to Cincinnati, even if they beat it, is like, okay, you're right, but Oklahoma State has two top 10 wins. Cincinnati has One no top, top 10 wins. One when we rent them... Oh, was Notre, Notre, Notre Dame's top 10? One, yeah. When when we ranked them, they had the same number of top 10 wins, and neither of them had the conference championship. Obviously, the Big 12 championship is more important than the AAC championship. Obviously, a top 10 win is better than a top 20, uh, top 25 win. They're probably not going to rank Houston no. on Sunday. Even though, even though um, Houston and will so have then two they losses, won't have the only have. They'll only have one ranked win, and and so the the, the logic there is self-referential. But I, I, that's not to say that I don't believe that Oklahoma State doesn't deserve to be in. Um, but I, it, it's more of an indictment on the system that like Cincinnati literally cannot play their way in. Um, Oklahoma State does not get the benefit of the doubt that you know an, an sure. Alabama does. Alabama wins, they're in. Oklahoma State is going to play a top ten team. And if they beat them, they are not guaranteed in. That's that's the indictment yeah. on the system. It, it, the whole thing's frustrating. Um, so I love my dad to death, right? But like, did you see the SNL sketch a couple weeks ago, Man Park, where it's like uh, dudes need time basically to just talk to other dudes? I, I can tell you very confidently and very happily, I haven't seen a uh, SNL sketch 
since Horatio Sands was on the show, with the exception of Kenan Thompson's uh, What Up With That, which is uh, just a bizarre and amazing work of comedy. I I don't 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 watch the show live, but I get the sketches when the funny ones. Anyway, the whole premise is that men need other men to talk to. And dad, God bless him, has been living with my mom and my sister for like the last, you know, few months uh, while my sister was living there. And so every time I come over, he just wants to talk playoff. And I am so tired of talking about the playoff. I mean, I love him to death, but it's like, good Lord, like I, you know, it's, there's only so much you can say. Um, and so that's where I'm at with the, with this is it sucks that since he's probably going to get left out if Oklahoma State wins this game. But the only thing you can say about it is that it sucks and we have to hope for change. There's nothing you or I can do about it. Yeah. Or, or we can just not care about the playoff at all. And just watch football. It's really easy to do when your team's five and seven. So yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm a no. I'm a bull anarchist, man. 2017, where they left TCU out. F it. Um, they, they they left TCU out uh, after they lost to Oklahoma again. Um, Ten and three in their conference championship game. Uh, put in a team that didn't even have their own uh, division to the uh, to the New Year's Six. So any any hope I had of maybe you know maybe we can do a little better. It was the first year of the playoff. TCU got left out. Whatever. Yada yada. Nope. No, no, all that's gone. Um, I'm a I'm a bull anarchist now. I want to go back to the 1990s pre 1990s system where uh, multiple bulls had multiple claims about national championships, and they were disputed because we are not entitled to a discreet, nice, tidy resolution of events. Grant, that is a modern idea that uh, I think is perverting our college football experience. People are talking about the playoff in week one. That is disgusting. Re- reject <laughs> reject disgusting. modernity. Return to BYU winning the Holiday Bowl. And claiming a national championship. I said memento mori <laughs> earlier, and I just want no one, I don't need anyone to make any inferences about my political or life beliefs based on the two things that I just said. Has a, Parker has uh, a, Parker, those are isolated incidents. Parker has a harsh beard, lives in the mountains, and is talking about bowl anarchy. Take with that what you will. Um, Let's go back to the Big 12 championship. I'm going to make a joke don't, about don't. making a joke about the Unabomber. <laughs> no, I, no, I was also uh, going to make a joke about making a joke about the Unabomber, so we're, we're linked there. Um, let's, go, let's go back to the game itself. Um, do you think either side – we talked about coaching. Does either side have an advantage on the field, either offense or defense? Is there one unit that sticks out? Yes, absolutely. Oklahoma State's defense is the best unit on the field. Oklahoma State's defense, Grant, ready? Sure. Going to say it. Oklahoma State's defense is the best unit in the Big 12. I think you're right. Um, uh, just absolutely excellent. What they were able to do last week against Oklahoma, Grant, uh, they held Oklahoma scoreless on 9 of 13 drives. The 14th drive was a touchdown, but it was a 14-yard touchdown yeah. after an interception. So, like, they absolutely turned the freaking water off after about two two drives. Um, or three three drives, I guess. Uh, they, they, they did a really good job of making Caleb Williams uncomfortable. Um, I, I think that that only bodes well for what they're going to do against Gary Bohannon or uh, Blake Shapin, whoever plays. Bohannon was practicing. I don't have a strong lean on sure. either one. Um, but I will say that they are going to make him uncomfortable. They, like we said, when TCU played them and like held, held true, they have five dudes who can get to the um, mm-hmm. quarterback at any way, shape, or form. And what they did against TCU, remember, is they just said Chandler Morris is not scrambling. Yeah. That's not going to happen. The quarterback run is not going to be an issue. If they can shut down one dimension of Baylor's offense, Baylor's offense is is competent and it's decent but uh, they really rely on kind of like milking extra value out of, um, you know, special teams, field position, but also uh, like going for it on third and fourth down a lot. 
I mean, everybody goes for it on third down. Go fourth, fourth down a lot. Um, Grant, uh, almost 26% of Baylor's season successes come on third and fourth downs, right? They're 22nd in third and fourth down success rate. So when I say that, when I say that almost 26%, I mean that basically one in four of their successful plays is on a third or fourth down, is a third yeah. or fourth down conversion, right? So what does that tell you? The inverse of that is they're not very good on early downs, right? And so Grant, they are uh, 62nd in early downs EPA, 22nd in third and fourth down conversion rate, okay. right? 62nd in early downs EPA. Oklahoma State is first in the nation in third and fourth down success rate allowed. They are second in the nation in early downs EPA allowed. Baylor is going to find themselves not in these fourth and two situations against Kansas State where they can, you know, line up and, and get that extra driver. They're going to find themselves in third and long. They're going to find themselves in third uh, and, and fourth and long obvious punting situations. One caveat there is will they play two, will they play two down ball? If it's, right. you know, fourth and nine or third and nine, will they play for four and play for five or whatever? Maybe that's a little wrinkle. But generally, I do not believe that Baylor's, stro- Baylor's strongest aspect has been their ability to kind of uh, extend drives and, and milk this extra value out of these third and fourth downs and going for it on fourth downs. I do not believe they're going to be in situations where they can feasibly do that against Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I talked about this, I think, after leading into the TCU game. I can't remember, but... Um, you mentioned they have five guys sink it to the quarterback, and they pretty much shut down more scrambling. They're just going to make you throw deep. Um, the run defense is good enough to prevent you from from getting anything on the ground, and their linebackers are so good that um, they can both kind of cover the you know cover the quarterback scramble, cover the flats, and if you can throw deep on them, God bless. But if you can't, they're going to make you pay for it. I mean, I, the Caleb Williams scramble was an aberration at the end of that game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, the kid just made a play. Those come few and far between. Yeah, um, this is not a defense that gives up a whole lot. Can I ask you, offensively? Let's say Bo Hannon's one hundred percent in this world. Um, okay, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm operating as because I don't. I, I mean, we've seen you know it's a backup quarterback. If that happens, then really yeah. it doesn't matter a ton. I, but I think, um, yeah, I think even with Bo Hannon in, I still might give the slight edge to Oklahoma State, uh, just in terms of offenses. Oh, I give the over overwhelming edge because Grant, what do they do with Bo Hannon? They run play action. Because they have to protect him, right? They play action and they boot. They wide zone play action and they boot. They RPO and they get him kind of in a situation where he just has to make one read and and throw the ball. Um, and so if you if you look like, a, you know, earlier on in the season when people's expectations were out of control because they don't know how to opponent adjust, uh, there were people posting about like Baylor's offensive line being yeah. excellent and Gary Bohan having like these great progressions. And if you watch like against West Virginia, they're just mistakes on the defense that Bohannon is trained very well to see like, oh, that guy's obviously right. open. I'm just going to throw it to him. Um, that's not so much like him making a great throw as he's been educated very well and he executes very well. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to demean Gary Bohannon here. I'm trying to say what he does is not like he's not an amazing talent who does all these great things. He's a very limited quarterback who is only asked to do very sure. limited things. And so he's doing great. That is a compliment. Um, they run play action on him. What's the problem with play action? Uh, it's yeah. slow developing. Yep, yeah, takes time. Exactly. And so Oklahoma State, I think, is not going to be one. They're not going to be fooled by play action because their defense is first in EPA per rush allowed, whereas <clears throat> their uh, passing defense is, is fourth. So they're 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 not going to be trying to cover up and say, oh ho, oh, I hope Baylor doesn't exploit our run game. I think they have guys who can cover and not bite on play action and force Bohannon to make throws into windows. 
as opposed to make obvious throws when guys are confused or defenders are in conflict. So I, I really think that this Oklahoma State defense, again, Bohannon has matured over the course of the season. The offensive line is disciplined, but um, I do not think that this offensive line is going to yeah. be anything like Oklahoma's in terms of talent. Like Oklahoma's is, uh, you know, discombobulated, sure. but I, I think that they'll be very disruptive. Uh, I'm going to do a quick 15 second aside because I have ADD. Then I go to the Oklahoma State offense. I have the ESPN pulled up and they have a bunch of stories with like tabs on different teams, you know, and uh, one of the stories, yeah. uh, bottom 10, revealing the final standings for 2021. And they just have a team tag for the UMass Minutemen. And it's just the meanest thing I've ever seen. Nice. <laughs> just Hey, UMass fans, nice. would you like to read a story about your school? Uh, anyway, you guys want to see yeah, how uh, bad you are? They hired Don Brown. That's interesting. I wonder what UMass thinks it can be. Yes, uh, that's a different Oklahoma podcast. State. We'll wait for the. We'll save that one for the off season. That's. Um, can I also say that now while we're on distraction, I'm the worst. While we're on distractions, Tommy yeah, Reese. Uh, so they just just evidently announced he he tweeted the uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I'm yes. not effing leaving. Gift. Great. <laughs> we're, we're Pretty gonna, good. Sorry, Rain Ascend. We're, man. we're on UMass. Uh, podcast behind a paywall for all of our listeners, just that one and none of the others. Yeah, so let's talk about Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State offense and get this podcast back on the the rail that we so quickly departed. Uh, Parker, I think this is a unit that has improved a lot throughout the season. Um, I think they certainly had their, I don't want to say their best game because they beat the absolute hell out of TCU just throwing unders and taking what the defense gave them, which was quite a bit. But Certainly their most, hey, we're, we're going to win this game by hook or by crook. And they did some of it on defense, but they did a lot of it on offense against Oklahoma. What's kind of your read on uh, on the Cowboys' offense this year? Yeah, so they definitely have improved. They're, they're, they're you know, on, on the season, they're 94th in EPA per play. But, uh, you know, uh, Spencer Sanders was hurt. They struggled really, issues. really mightily. Yeah. They had some COVID issues that I think it's really funny. I'm not the kind of person to go get receipts, uh, especially on people I like. But it's funny that, you know, a lot of people were talking about Mike Gundy. Grant, we had a Mike Gundy conversation at the beginning of the season. I think I had what a Mike Gundy heck? conversation. Yeah, I know. I know. That's not, sorry, that's not to be like, what I, I'm saying, no, like, people right. were talking about it. I, I was right. I said no. But I, I maybe I should go dig some of that. I don't know. Um, so so they, they've gotten a lot better lately. They they really, um, one of their issues is, is rushing. I think they're really... Um, Struggling to get success there. They're breaking off good rushes, but on the season, they're 79th in uh, rushing success rate, and they are uh, 112th in rushing EPA. So on average, just not a lot of potency out of the rush game. But Grant, one thing that they do that we notice when we watch TCU is they they substitute runs for screens and short passes, and yep. they're a uh, big, big yak, the big yak offense there, right? Um, again, our favorite quote on this podcast is Steve Sarkeesian saying, Jalen Waddle and I are the same speed if we catch the ball standing still. Um, and 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 uh, I believe Casey Dunn has matured a lot, and he has woven in some concepts to make this a um, much more exciting offense. Uh, uh, the deep threat is not necessarily there, but I will say Baylor's defense, especially on the corners and and kind of downfield, is ripe for the picking. They're 70th in EPA per pass, um, and we have seen firsthand uh, them get exploited in the secondary there. So really, you know, Oklahoma State's offensive weakness is kind of that downfield passing game, and Baylor's defensive weakness is that downfield passing game. On the rushing side, Baylor's 22nd EPA per rush. They stop it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma State's offense has functioned even when they haven't gotten runs. Spencer Sanders showed to be a little bit mobile last week. That might free things up. Um, and so, again, I would give the edge to Baylor's. 
um, defense here, but I do not think it is as overwhelming as Oklahoma State's offense over uh, Oklahoma State's defense over yeah. Baylor's offense. I think that's a great way to look at this game. It's it's a it's a game with two teams whose strengths is defense, and that's something you don't often say in the Big Twelve. Um, so I think it's going to be a really interesting change from cha- conference championship games in years past. And we did talk about the playoff earlier. I, I think the playoff has a weird fetish for defense. Uh, or certainly teams that look like they are defensively oriented. You gave me a look as if I was wrong there. But no, I do, you just said fetish on our podcast. I, I, I chose that word intentionally. <laughs> it's not a dirty word normally. That's and, what, uh, I was intrigued. I was just okay. I was but saying, I'm, okay, I, I, I think, explain this to me. You know, uh, teams that succeed with really great offenses and mediocre defenses, for some reason, don't get the same respect that teams that succeed with great defenses, mediocre offenses do. And listen, this is an offensive-centric podcast a lot of the time. I love watching good offenses, but... Oklahoma State's really good, and they're really good because of their defense. Baylor's good to pretty good, and they're that way off the strength of their defenses. So it's going to be an interesting stylistic matchup. Parker, do you want to give your prediction first, our predictions, or do you want to go to the listeners? Um, let's do uh, let's do listeners okay. first, um, and then we'll go from there. I just retweeted a tweet. Grant, I'm really happy about this. On October 16th, I said, Oklahoma State in 2021 is Mike Gundy doing his best Gary Patterson impersonation. Uh, that's a good one. It didn't get a lot of traction at the time, but it was, it was, it was ahead of its time. I'm okay with that. Um, let's, um, uh, Lance, I'll just go Lance Smith at L Smith design 31, 17 pokes. Well, 31, 17, that, that sounds, uh, I'm, I'm voting. Okay. On that. I think it's okay. I think it might be a little too pointy for this game, but I'll, uh, I'll take it. Are you going the under? So the under I have forty six point five. We'll talk about that. Whoa. But interesting. Boy, that is that is low. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think it'll be pretty, okay. I think it'll be closer than thirty one seventeen. But we'll see. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a little lopsided. That's fourteen points. I yeah, guess. I think that it's seems... like I think it's just like a mid twenties game. Yeah. Uh, Teresa Danker at T Dankster twenty eight seventeen Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State is a better Spotify rap than Baylor, so they win no matter what. That I will agree with. I was trying to think about this because I saw this when I was at the gym and tweeting a bunch this afternoon. Um, they, uh, I was trying to think of who would be on on which, like who would be on whose Spotify wrapped. And we didn't talk about this enough to do a bit. But the one that I had is, uh, Grant, I, I worked at summer camps when I was in high school and college. Sure. And I knew the guy who's like, iPod had a ton of Justin Bieber and he was always talking to the girls about Justin Bieber. I think Taylor Swift is probably the... Um, the modern equivalent of that, although I, I like Taylor Swift in some oh, context, so, so yeah. it's not as annoying. But uh, whatever – I'm trying to think of like the modern equivalent. I'm very old. But like I feel like Baylor's Spotify rap is a bunch of music that they think that other people like. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that so their Spotify rap is curated because they, they know that other people are going to see it. And so they don't listen to music. They don't like any music. They just like the idea that other right. people might like the music they listen to. Baylor's, Baylor's like radio station is stuck on like top 40. Like they, they have never, and they don't have any opinions on it. Yeah. No, no. See, maybe I'm, I'm not articulating this well, and this is too much okay, time okay. to spend on this podcast, okay. but like, it's like the dude who, gosh, I've told, I've told dude with modest mouse story on this podcast before, but Okay, it's just like wait trying, a minute. I like Modest cool. Mouse. What is this? What's that? 
I've told you this. Oh, he's trying. Well, yes, but it's but it's specifically trying to be like the LOL, I'm so random guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or like, he's like, oh, oh yeah, I like cool. Justin Bieber. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, but this, is like, t- this is a dumb segment. This is, this is extremely too dumb. We're going to move on. But whatever. But Oklahoma State does have uh, Spotify wrapped. I agree. I absolutely agree. R.D. Kramer says, Oklahoma State 55, Baylor 3. Doubt it. Doubt it. Um, <laughs> would be awesome. Joe Goodman and Part- Joe Goodman, Baylor 41, Oklahoma State 2. I love it too, but no. Big fan of that. Um, part of me wants Baylor to win just so that they don't get in the playoff because they didn't beat TCU. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent of me wants that. That, like, <laughs> that is the ultimate. Uh, that's the pinnacle. Um, I was just gonna say we we talk about this a lot in like text groups and pack channels, but it's not said enough that the only reason Baylor is not shooting for a college football playoff spot is because Chandler Morris beat them. Chandler Morris threw for 500 yards, 400 yards, 500 Chandler yards? Chandler Morris had the best quarterback performance since Trevon Boykin in that game. 34 total EPA for Chandler Morris, which I believe is the best, the third best single game performance this season, including a game by Brennan Armstrong, who is a ridiculous offense, they just ton of volume, and uh, Bailey Zappi. I think he is third in single game performances behind him. So pretty it. fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, I like this one from Bulldog Six. That's Bulldog Vi and Roman numerals here. Baylor with Bohannon, uh, Baylor twenty-seven, Oklahoma State twenty-one. Baylor without Bohannon, thirty-one twenty-one, Oklahoma State. Interesting. I don't know if I agree, but I like the dichotomy, and I I, I see where he's yeah, going. It, some thought went into that, and it and it and it is just not. It's not like hey, Bohannon's worth the touchdown. It's like no, the entire flow of the game is probably sure. different. I'm baking in field position. I like that. Um, Doug Anders says, uh, listener of the pod, um, Doug Anders says on behalf of the CFP committee, uh, Oki light needs to win convincingly. Uh, so Oklahoma state's going to save the committee by winning convincingly and banishing Sensi to the new year six. So that's, that's his prediction. I like the conspiracy. I'm in on it. Well, TCU tried that against Iowa state and it didn't work. Um, Mason Shereen, I don't know who that is. Uh, but he says 1914 Oklahoma state. Huh? 19. That's a touchdown and four field goals. A touchdown, a field goal, gets you to 10, and then three field goals. Good Lord. Two touchdowns and a safety and a field goal is way that more That could fun. also happen with this defense. Um, Smills, uh, at underscore, or at Smills underscore, don't forget the underscore, uh, it, who has been a uh, normal, uh, decent Baylor fan on Twitter. Uh, he says he'll be a homer and say Baylor 29, Oklahoma State 28. That feels like we'll do best case, worst case, but that feels yeah. close to best case. Yeah. Um, JC at here? 210 sooner, 42-34 Oklahoma State. One interception by OK State. Baylor is 200-yard rushing, and Tate Martin is two TDs. I don't think any of that's going to happen, but I like the thought put into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I see like two, two more I'm going to read. Okay, go ahead. Three more. Uh, Tim Presley, comma, PhD. Um, that's, that's Dr. Presley to those of you who know him. Uh, three to two. He doesn't pick a side. Um, I, I like that. I like how vague that is. It's three to two. Uh, yeah. Steelers I would want to watch that game. Um, Teresa Denker says 2018. I already read that one. Oh, you did. Oh, better for a Spotify rap. Sorry. Okay. And then, uh, Brett Musselwhite. Shout out to Brett Musselwhite. Uh, Oklahoma State by three scores, which is optimistic, and I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, okay, let's do best case, worst case. Are we doing for each team? How, how are we doing this? Let's just do each team's best case, because theoretically, okay. each yeah. team's best case, the other team's the other worst, team's worst case, case, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so best case for Baylor is a game in which um, 
you know, I don't even know what Bailey's best case. Can I zoom out? Can I zoom out first? Yeah, this is a thought exercise for me. Who wins a shootout and who wins a rock fight? Oh, I like that. Um, I think Baylor wins a shootout. OK State wins a rock fight. I totally agree. I think that was, yeah, that, that's yeah. pretty clear. So then that that frames my best case scenario is like, I think Baylor needs to, I think Baylor needs to get to the 30s to win. That's probably their yeah. best case scenario. Scoring 30 points on, um, 30 points is not a magic number. Um, scoring 30 points equates to like 2.8 points per drive. That's a whole freaking lot. Yeah. Uh, especially against this defense who has been good against very good offenses. So, yeah. Um, I think Baylor needs a last possession wins kind of a game um, to to pull this out. Yeah. And, and special think, teams nonsense. So they do yeah. that. They do special teams nonsense. They kick a field goal to win by uh, to win by four to extend the lead. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you got to go for the points. Um, we, were, we found that out this year. Uh, let's see. Give me. Yeah. So give me 34, 30 Baylor. Yeah, uh, I'll actually go, yeah, 34, 30 is fine. I like that. Okay. I agree. I agree. I think best case for Oklahoma State is is a game you don't have to worry and you don't have to try very hard on offense. 17 to 3, we're yep. cruising for most yep. of the second half. I think if you want to style point it, you may go 24-3. Just say, listen, like we they, they did they did nothing. They, they yep. you know. Just to complete. And, and 24 is not a lot of points there. So no. like even 21, let's, let's just be 21, three okay. Oklahoma state scores on three of its first five drives. And then Baylor scores one field goal in the second half. Yeah. And Oklahoma state's like, what do you guys want? Like this yeah. is, it, we just shut down a good offense. Yep. Yeah. It's complete chloroform game. Like just smother them. Um, what's your, uh, what's the your theory podcast is not endorsing. No, no, no. It's just, it's, 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 no. Come on, come on. You know what I mean? Um, you're putting me in a lot of bad bad places that I'm not implying. What's your, oh my gosh. What's your actual prediction for this game? I've said Unabomber and Chloroform in this podcast. Still if not. I wasn't already on a watch and and I've momentum worry. Oh man, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm on a watch list. Um I think that I'm gonna trust my model and I'm going to go Oklahoma State by a touchdown. Give me twenty seven to twenty, Oklahoma State. Damn, that's about what I was gonna predict. Uh for the Yeah, sake- I went first this time. I know. For the sake of variance, I'll make it a little closer. Give me Oklahoma State 27, Baylor 24. Um, but mm. I do think Oklahoma State wins. I think it's close. I will say that that margin is significant, Grant, because um, there is a, a stake. So don't yeah. change your what, don't what change is, your prediction. Yeah. What, what is I see it five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. Well, Parker, I want to talk about another uh, another numbers. That you threw out. I know it's not grammatically correct, but I couldn't think of the right word. Another graph that you put on the internet. So you predict Alabama to win the SEC championship game. No. I don't predict anything. Okay. I put consistent... Seems seems uh, like hedging. I put numbers into a consistent process and report the outputs. Um, And the model believes that Oklahoma or excuse me, that Georgia and Alabama will play a a, a neck-and-neck game with the very slight edge to Alabama. So as I said, you predict Alabama to beat Georgia for the SEC championship. Not me. The model predicts. That you wrote. I didn't write it. God wrote it. (laughs) This is the book of Leviticus, (laughs) and uh, it was handed to me. 
No, uh, that's that's gonna be fascinating. Do you? I know. I'm sure you did this on the Bet US show. Georgia is almost a touchdown favorite. They're more than a touchdown favorite. Yeah. T- tomorrow morning, uh, we're doing Bet US for for yeah. the rest of the big games. We did some today. Um, I'm not picking this one explicitly, but I am putting money on Alabama. Yeah. And I, and points. Yeah. Seven points against Alabama, dude. It's insane. When's the last time Alabama lost by more than by a touchdown? Uh, the, the Clemson national championship game, probably. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know that I'm going to look this up here. That's probably not worth the time. I, it's, it's, I'll that, tell you, it's the Clemson National Championship game. Yeah, and and that I don't think this is the same situation. So, no. um, I don't know. did LSU beat the hell out of them that year? We don't have to go look this. Up. No, I, I thought that was pretty close. This is we are looking this up. Okay. Alabama. Uh, can you vamp? Yes, I can. Um, I I'm missing the UNC Michigan State Michigan game, and I'm getting texts about it. That's my vamp. Um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you my prediction for this game is that uh, I, I think Georgia wins. I don't feel comfortable in that at all, but I, I think Georgia's defense is probably the single best defensive unit we've seen in college football in in, in my memory. And um, I think they have players on there that are as disruptive as the Domakong Sioux was in 2011. Um, they're just surrounded by better players, so they don't get the same amount of hype. I think this is a unit that can smother any team it plays. They're the best team in the country. Um, I don't expect it to be more than six points because Nick Saban is on the other sideline, as my voice squeaks. But uh, I, I think Georgia wins, um, but Alabama covers. Yeah, I think that's that's where I sit. Uh, that Alabama-LSU game was 41-46 LSU. Okay. And then they lost to Auburn 45-48. And then... Uh, they lost forty four to sixteen in two thousand eighteen, and then in two thousand seventeen they lost twenty four to sixteen to uh, Auburn. So okay. um, they do not lose by double digits often. Georgia doesn't beat people by double digits. Georgia doesn't beat really really good teams by double digits often. Is yeah. what I'll say there. So we'll see. This is a litmus test, and again, a blind um, a blind model says the stat profile of. Alabama and a team of the stat profile of Georgia should play a neck and neck game. All right. For the rest of these, I know you're predicting all these tomorrow, so I'm not going to make you give your full takes. I'm just going to give you uh, the games, the spread I have, and then we'll go which team we have. Is that fine with you? That's great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, starting Friday with Oregon, Utah, Pac-12 championship. Utah is a three-point favorite. Utah and the points. They're so much more physical, dude. Yes. They just, they're just so much more physical. Spencer Hall, I think it was Spencer, made this point on the on one of the full casts, which is, yeah, you can make adjustments. Can you adjust for 38 to 7? I don't think you no. can. No, um, man. Let's I don't see. think so. Uh, I'm just going to hit the Power Fives. No offense to our friends in the G5s. Uh, Pitt, Wake Forest. Your classic ACC championship matchup. Pitt is a three point favorite. I think I'm taking Wake just because it's going to be pointsy and weird. And so I'm going to take Wake in the points, not money line. But like, I think that I, I think that Wake keeps it close. The over is 71 and a half. That's a lot of points. I'd bet it. Yeah, I would too. I'd bet. Dude, Wake Forest defense sucks. Oh, it sucks. And Kenny Pickett's going to make a last minute Heisman run um, that he won't win. Now, let's slow it Let's slow it down a little bit and go to Iowa, Michigan, where the over is 43 and a half. Michigan is an 11 point favorite. I think Michigan covers this just because there's so much. I, I The only physical team 
that Iowa has played all season has been Wisconsin. Why am I so obsessed with physicality? I don't know. Um, the only team that Wisconsin that, that Iowa's played that's like been beefy has really been Wisconsin. And um, they got their asses kicked. They got outclassed. And I think that Michigan is the the toughest team that they will play all season. I think that their offense, um, again, really needs nonsense to happen for them to have any any sign of life. Uh, and so I think Michigan covers this easy. I do too for, for two reasons. And I'm, I'm so mad. I'm, it's Hassan. Uh, what's his last name? Haskins. Haskins. Thank you. Hassan Haskins and Aiden Hutchinson. That's what you need to know. Um, those two guys are better than any player on uh, Iowa's roster, and they're going to be the difference makers in this game. Uh, M- Michigan is not have to throw the ball to win. They're just going to blow Iowa off the ball. Uh, I have them uh, covering 11 as well, which is a huge spread for, I think, a 3-11 matchup, but still. Parker, is there anything else we have to get to before we, before we, we sign off here? Man, we have uh, coaching rumors. Um... Ooh, hit me. We have games. We have everything. I don't know, man. I we again. We'll probably talk programming at some point. We'll do some bowl previews once we have yeah. them. Um, I don't know. I think we're gonna game time. I'm, I'm saying this now. We'll probably game time decision a Sunday podcast just because, like, if stuff gets weird this weekend, maybe we'll podcast. But um, generally, we'll do a TCU recap and then some bowl game stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I also wonder. I don't know. This is uh, this is maybe silly, but I wonder if we just don't like do a stream or a Twitch or something and let people hop on and watch, and we just like watch a couple SMU offensive games and that'd be fun. Talk about what we like and don't like. That's some good off season content. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll do that for bowl season, but maybe we will. Um, something like that. You're welcome for this behind the scenes look at the Purple Theory planning, but we will definitely do. So make sure to buy yourself a bottle of something stiff. Um, throw on songs that she sang in the shower and prepare for next Thursday's release of the TCU obituary for the 2021 season. In which we will assign a sad country song to every single game. Every single player on the TCU roster, we will give them a sad (laughs) country song. Um, Oh my gosh. Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGowan. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGowan. It's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. He is Parker Fleming. He is at Stats War. Watch the best US, the Bet US show, which comes out. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, Wednesday show is already out. Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time on YouTube. I tweet out the link. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.